0: Seconds left for three in the win. Yes, Dion has done it. I watched Marcus Morris handling the ball like he was a point guard. I watched them give the ball to Julius Randle. This brother was dribbling the ball up the damn court. First team all defense. First team all defense. I don't know
1: about this, but Rihanna just walked in front of me. Are you kidding me?
2: <laughs> Welcome to a Tuesday edition. The Road to Wire NBA podcast. Nick Whalen back, as I always am, on Tuesdays with Alex Barutha. Alex, we had a bunch of news to parse through before we started the pod today. I had to get some things squared away on the site. And I'm actually glad that we were slightly delayed today because that enables us now to react to Adrian Wozerowski, of course, at ESPN, tweeting mere minutes ago that James Harden had a setback in his hamstring rehab this morning. Uh, had another MRI this afternoon, we still don't have a ton of information as far as like what exactly is going on with that hamstring, but out indefinitely. That's never a good thing. You very rarely do you want to hear that. Uh, and Woj followed up with a tweet saying that it really wouldn't be surprising at that point if Harden's return comes closer to the start of the playoffs as opposed to sometime in the next week or two, which I think was the initial estimate. This just adds to a situation that's been kind of insane that we have this super team that has played seven games together this season. Um, you know, its starting center just retired from the league a week ago. Uh, where there's a very real chance that we're going to go into the NBA playoffs with Harden, Durant, and Kyrie playing fewer than 10 games together. Even if Harden comes back with like a week or two left, the way that Kyrie's been in and out, Durant's been, you know, the most injured of all these guys so far. Uh, it's it's just absolutely crazy. We're going to, there's, we're now to the point where this thing is going to, by by virtue of Harden missing more time, is going to have to kind of coalesce on the fly in the postseason.
1: Yeah, it seems like it. And I mean, they may not have an opportunity to have like an easy first round series, right? Depending on how things shake out. Like if they drop, you know, like below Milwaukee and they end up as the third seed, pretty decent chance that they'll end up playing either like Boston or Miami in the first round of the playoffs. And like, you know, as much as people are down on both of those teams, if you are Brooklyn and you're trying to. I guess, figure things out on the fly again. I mean, I I still have confidence in them, but Miami is not the team you'd want to see while you're trying to figure that stuff out.
2: No, not at all. And I've been on the side essentially since James Harden arrived in Brooklyn that the Nets are the team to beat, that even though Philadelphia has been right there all year, even though Milwaukee is is always going to be there as long as Giannis is healthy, I just had a really hard time envisioning any team beating you know, a team that has Kevin Durant, James Harden, and Kyrie Irving on it. And, you know, as we look right now, I'm I'm trying to pull up title odds on the DraftKings Sportsbook. They're currently, they've been pulled from the website. We only have conference winner odds for the Western Conference. Uh, We don't even have Eastern Conference title odds. So they're apparently uh, in the process of reformulating those now based on this. In some ways, I'm definitely not glad that there's all these injuries. I don't mean to say that. But I do think the fact that they're not going to have 40 plus games to, to play together and, and, and develop this rhythm in some ways, it kind of standardizes things. If that makes sense, you know, where if if you're Philly and you're Milwaukee, like this is, again, you're never rooting for injuries, but it's like, look, this team is supremely talented when they're at their best. There's probably not a team in the league that could beat them, but they're going to have to figure out how to play together now, long-term during the playoffs. So I I think in some ways it, it kind of, maybe it doesn't lower their ceiling, but it, it probably lowers their floor game to game because if there are any any issues as far as sharing the ball figuring out whose turn it is on which possession you know having to navigate that in the playoffs like you said is going to be really difficult and it probably won't be an issue in round one depending on the matchup if it is miami maybe that is an issue but if we get to round two round three uh, and especially if any of these guys any of these injuries continue into the postseason you know then at that point the east becomes wide open
1: right yeah i mean it, it definitely makes the east more interesting um you know, from like the East was the the East is interesting, but it it really only has been so at the very top, right? With Philly, Brooklyn, and Milwaukee, people weren't really taking any of these other teams seriously. But um, the other teams in the in the conference are competitive, and you kind of just never know, like you said, if if everyone like and and hamstring injuries too, like Harden and Durant both dealing with hamstring injuries, those are things that they don't go away that quickly like we saw how much time durant missed um you know you can start favoring your other leg other injuries occur so yeah i mean this is this is obviously like you mentioned DraftKings kings pulling their odds this is going to affect um the playoff race like from here on out and it'll only it only make the use more interesting
2: Right, right, and again, I I don't want to make it sound like we're you know we're praising the the gods for for bringing injuries upon the Brooklyn Nets, but yeah, like like you said, it, it does make it more interesting. That's the, kind of the bottom line. I you know I've, I'm looking at the seating in the East right now, and with Harden out the rest of the way, with KD essentially missing every other game, it, it seems like I, I think there's a pretty good chance Philly finishes as the, as the one. They currently have a one game advantage over Brooklyn. I mean, Milwaukee's right there. They've they've played horribly of late and are still only three games behind Brooklyn, four games behind Philly. You know, those three could could basically finish in any order. I mean, even with just Durant and Kyrie, if those guys stay healthy the rest of the way, that's more than enough to to get the one seed, um, depending on the schedule. To me, it's going to come down to how those four through eight spots shake out. Like getting the one might not necessarily be an advantage if Bam Adebayo and Jimmy Butler both miss another week. And all of a sudden, Miami C eight. And you know, like I, I don't, I don't know that Philly, Brooklyn, and Milwaukee will even know which of those three seeds is is the most advantageous until the final night of the season.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's really going to come down to the wire. Like the in the loss column, four through eight is separated by, I guess, two games. Um, and yeah. I mean, they all each of these each of these teams that you could end up seeing in the first round has, you know, like. Uh, except, I mean, I think Charlotte's the weakest team that you could feasibly end up facing. Although uh, we don't, again, we don't know what's going to happen with Indiana. Um, you know, like Washington, Chicago, Toronto are still, I guess, technically in the mix with the play-in. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh,
2: Toronto's <laughs> a half game out of the play-in. Like Toronto's doing everything it can to lose every single game and is a half game out of the 10th spot.
1: Yeah, it's it's crazy. Um, but I don't think I don't think there will be any easy outs. You know what I mean? Like I, I think even if even if it's a team like. Even if it's a team like Charlotte, which may be like the the, the weakest of that group, you're yeah. I guess you might have to still deal with Lamelo Ball because it seems like he's going to be healthy, and right. um, I I mean he's someone I do want to see in the playoffs as as kind of an aside.
2: Yeah, well the way it's shaping up right now, like there has now become a little bit of a drop off between Charlotte at eight and then that group of Indiana, Chicago, Washington, Toronto, at nine through twelve, and and obviously the play in means that you know four out of those five teams will will be involved. Uh, at the end of it and all you need to do is win two games so you know no, nobody's out of it but you know indiana has some major injuries like miles turner might be done for the year sabonis is going to miss another game chicago looks terrible they're without levine for probably another week washington is washington we have nobody no idea what's going on with toronto so i do agree with you i, I think charlotte is probably the strongest of that group and, and getting Lamelo back obviously is going to be huge if they can get gordon hayward back before the playoffs or, or even like you know right right before round one um that, that's obviously a big boost as well. I, I still think if, if you're Brooklyn, though, again, seeding might not matter. I would much rather play Charlotte. I, I think I'd rather play the Knicks. Uh, I'd even rather play Atlanta than having to match up with Boston or Miami in round one.
1: Yeah, I think so, too, just from a like a talent and experience yeah. standpoint of Boston and, and Miami.
2: Like right. I, I think Atlanta like, has a lot of talent.
1: Right. And uh, they, I think, are deservedly a four seed. I think that's kind of where we thought their like absolute upside would be. But I, again, I may not be as afraid of them as like t- the Heat who are just in right. the finals.
2: Yeah, te- teams with the same record aren't necessarily created equally. You know, the, the, the Knicks yeah. have won six straight. They're they're an awesome feel-good story. You know, d- during a normal NBA season, I, I almost feel like they're getting robbed in some ways. Like this would have been, this would be the most fun Knicks season in a long time. Like prob- maybe even more fun than than the year that I think they got the two seed with Melo in like 2011 or 12. Like if there were fans at these games, seeing what Julius Randall's doing game in and game out, like this would be a, a much bigger story than it is. And it's already a pretty big story in, in the context of, of the 2020 21 season. But you know, even if the Knicks and the Celtics finished with basically the same record, you know, if, if you're really being honest, gun to your head, I, I think most coaches would say, we'll, we'll play the team that doesn't have Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown.
3: <laughs>
1: exactly. Like, uh, yeah. Yeah, that's exactly right.
2: So you mentioned LaMelo. Uh, that news somewhat came out of nowhere last night. Um, you know, we, we were kind of getting to the point it had been, I think, exactly a month since LaMelo played his last game. Um, but not only, you know, I kind of figured we would get a like, oh, he's a few weeks away or he's progressing like we didn't get anything for a full month. And then we get he's fully healed and he's returning to basketball activities like right now. And it, it sounds like he could be back on the court within a week. Uh, Obviously, you know this is huge for for Charlotte as as they try to lock up a playoff spot. Uh, It's it's also really interesting to look at how it's affected the Rookie of the Year race. And all of a sudden, LaMelo Ball is now back to being the heavy favorite, despite not even getting back on the court yet. He's now at minus 250 on DraftKings. Anthony Edwards now at plus 185. Halliburton, who's fading pretty quickly, is at plus 750. So it's it's kind of a two-man race now between LaMelo and Edwards, but just the fact that Lamelo is, is likely to play probably 10 to 12 more games that would give him, you know, somewhere between 51 and 53 games on the season. It seems like at least in the minds of odds makers, that's going to be more than enough, assuming that he doesn't just completely crater during that, that stretch uh, going to be more than enough to win him the award.
1: I think it will be. Yeah. And I think if you got Lamello, um, you know, I think if you got his odds when he was, I don't even remember what he was like right when he went out, I mean, he's plus odds, obviously, yeah, um, I think you're in good shape if you got that number, um, because like when you, if you look at you know like Lamelo Ball's 21 game stretch where he basically like became a full time starter, is basically 20 points a game on efficient shooting with six assists, six rebounds, a steal and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, like he's been an excellent just player, not just rookie. And right. I, I think you know like. People, people have been pretty hard on Edwards, and I think some of it's fair and some of it's not. But, I, you know, if you had to say one's having a better season, I don't know how you could. Because games played I don't think should matter for rookie of the year as much as for MVP. Um, yeah. And so, you know, the fact that LaMelo is going to end up missing, like, I guess, what, 15, 20 games shouldn't matter yeah. that much.
2: I, I think realistically he could miss as few as, like, 19 which, again, as the odds imply, will be, won't be will be enough to really knock him out of it. I, I think the key difference is that Edwards has not missed a single game. So it was going to be, you know, it could be 72 games versus if LaMelo didn't come back, 41 games. And when you start to talk about a 31-game difference, I, I understand it. I, I didn't really feel too strongly about it. If, if LaMelo didn't come back and he still won the Rookie of the Year Award with 41 games, I, I wouldn't have cared. I would be totally fine. In fact, I don't even know who I would vote for. Um, I mean, Edwards has cooled off a little bit over the last couple of weeks. Uh, the, the thing with him is just the efficiency. You know, it, it just matters. It, it really matters like what you value as a voter. If you're someone who just looks at the points per game column, you're probably going to go with Edwards. If you're someone who digs into true shooting and usage rates and you know true shooting versus usage rate, because Anthony Edwards has the lowest true shooting percentage among any player with a usage rate north of 25 this season, <laughs> then you're probably going to go toward the middle.
1: I didn't know that stat, but I, it would not have surprised me if you yeah. would have said, you know, is this true or not? Yeah, yeah I mean, the numbers are...
2: Well, the <laughs> It'd thing be is, weird if I brought it up is, and it wasn't true.
1: Yeah. Um, <laughs> the thing is, even but if you take LaMelo's you know, stretch where he's been starting, he's scoring more points per game than Anthony Edwards. It's just whether or not people are going... Like, how much stock are you putting in the first, you know, 20 games of the Hornet season when LaMelo was coming off the bench? Which basically deflated his numbers like five points a game. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think, I think if if Lamelo comes back and he plays well for ten games and he's on ESPN again, lighting you know lighting it up with behind the back passes and he's you know the Hornets start winning games again and they're going to be in the playoffs. I think all those things are just going to kind of snowball together and I think he'll end up getting it.
2: I completely misspoke on Edwards by the way. His last eleven games, he's. 22.2 points, 44.5% shooting, 37% from three. That's so I, nice. I mean, it's been pretty good. Yeah, he's he's been fine. I mean, it's been overshadowed by the Timberwolves getting blown out on most nights. <laughs> right. um, but but honestly, I mean, with Lamelo, I don't even think he has to play that well. I think it, I honestly think it's just going to come down to the games played. Like he he locked up the award with how great he was in January and February, and I I think he could he, he just needs to like check into each game, get it marked down as yes he played. And get that number over fifty, and that's going to be enough.
1: Yeah, I think I think the rookie of the year is more about like the ceiling that you see out of a player for a for a decent stretch, you know, like a fifteen yeah. game ceiling, rather than you know who was you know who was over the median of whatever you need to see for right. you know seventy two games.
2: Um, Coach of the year, I want to touch on this real quickly. I, I haven't been able to find great odds. DraftKings hasn't offered them this year, but a few weeks ago we talked about. Quinn Snyder like this was the lock of all locks the Jazz are running away with the best record in the league they're the one seed he's never won it before I, it's in jeopardy now I, I think he's probably still the favorite it's got to be really close though between he and Monty Williams whose Phoenix Suns are now one and a half games behind Utah
1: I think it's a discussion I'm still I'm still leaning uh Quinn Snyder I think that The Suns being good is more about the Chris Paul being there than it is Monty Williams, like, changing things. Um, You know, because, like, when you watch the Jazz, like, the Jazz didn't really change their roster at all, right? They kept Jordan Clarkson. Like, they brought Derek Favors back. Like, they got Bogdanovich back, but he was only out for the playoffs anyway. Like, they made almost zero roster moves, and now they're playing a completely, not a completely different style of basketball, but, like, they have it feels like they've absolutely peaked as a basketball team, like relative to their potential when you watch them play. Um, And I think that was like, you give some credit to the players, but I think a lot of that has to do with Quinn Snyder. And I think for the Suns, it's you got Chris Paul. He dominates the offense in a good way. And he deserves credit for that. But I'm not ready to say like, Oh, it's like that just because the, the, you know, because a lot of times you give coach of the year to the guy with one of the biggest jumps over expectations, which the suns, are in that category but i don't like personally i don't think monty williams case is like that much stronger than tom thibodeau's case um so no. Yeah.
2: no i i i mean i think i would personally vote for Tibbs. i view it as more of a do do the most with less as opposed to just like having the best record with like a pretty good roster if that makes sense i mean i, I think this Knicks team. I mean, I I would not have been surprised if they finished the year with like 25 wins. I don't think a lot of people would have like based on what this roster looked like. It wasn't a fantastic offseason for them. You know, they're bringing in Taj Gibson. They're kind of doing their same old Knicks type of moves that make you scratch your head. And I mean, they've won six in a row. They're four games over 500. They're a half game out of the four seed in the Eastern Conference. I I think if they finish fourth, Tibbs is going to have a real case here because, you know, for a while there, the Jazz were on like a borderline historic pace and it looked like they were going to win like, you know, 55 games and and just lock up the one. Like the fact that I, I think like Snyder and Monty could kind of split votes. You, you know, they're very similar candidates as far as, you know, leading like pretty good rosters um, to, to success. And I, I think they're probably going to be separated by one or two games at the end of the year. So, you know, the people that maybe lean toward that type of candidate are going to be split between Utah and Phoenix. And then maybe everybody else votes for Tibbs.
1: Yeah, I think so. Do you think, uh, what do you think Steve Nash's chances are? Like, I don't think he's really like, I don't think he's going to get it, but the Nets are second in the East. And like we keep harping on, they have barely had their best players together. Like their minutes leader is Joe Harris. Their third, their third leading minutes total guy is Jeff Green. Their fifth is Bruce Brown. Um, like the fact that they're 38 and 19 is great, and I know that they usually have two of those three guys available, and even one of those three guys value uh, available will get you a 500 team, but I think it's still pretty impressive what they've done.
2: No, for sure. I, I I was on the Nash train, I think maybe probably over a month ago at this point, and the case was just won the team record. And two, he's Steve Nash and people love Steve Nash. And I I think they, you know, a lot of people want to believe that he's kind of the glue holding this team together. I I don't think he really has a a great chance to win it. I don't think they've been like record wise. They haven't been quite good enough. You know, if they were five games up as the number one seed in the East with all these injuries, then I think he would have a a pretty solid case. But, you know, they're probably going to finish second. I I don't think the record's going to be quite as impressive enough. Um, and then, you know, for as many people love Steve Nash and want to give him credit, at the same time, a lot of people will say, even even though these guys were hurt, you know, you walked right into coaching a super team, you added a superstar 20 games into the year, and, you know, any coach could have done this.
1: That's true. Yeah.
2: Uh, looking at MVP real quickly, is there anything Jokic could do to lose the MVP, barring missing the rest of the season with an injury? I, I, I think I think last night probably locked it up, which is crazy because the guy who... I think it's third in the odds right now. Steph Curry is on an all-time tear, went for 49, hit 10 threes last night. And then you switch over to to NBA TV and Jokic is like quietly throwing up 47 and 15 in a victory.
1: Right. I mean, he's been he's been ridiculous. I think I think his offensive numbers right now, I mean, don't they rival any LeBron season? Jokic or Curry? Jokic. Well, I guess both, but Jok. I mean, I'm 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 talking about Jokic. Jokic's MVP case. Like, yeah. This is this is just a nine game stretch, so this isn't gonna be his whole his whole season. But over the last nine games, he's 26 points on 58 33 80 shooting, 11 rebounds, 11 assists with four
2: turnovers. Like that's absurd.
1: Yeah. Um, no, they they absolutely
2: and, rival any LeBron season if that's the question for sure. I they rival if not are better than.
1: And uh, I think I think he's, I mean, I think he's pretty much a lock. I, you, you sent us a, we're, we're putting a round table up on the site soon. I know you kind of asked about who you thought was MVP. And I was looking at some of the advanced numbers for Jokic. I and mean, like, if you're an advanced stats person, there is, I don't even think you can make a case for anyone else right now. Um, but there've only been like, a I think there's been 10 seasons in NBA history where one player, has had their win shares per 48 above 0.3 and almost and all but two of those seasons were MVP seasons and the two that did not win it were before 1980 when the players voted for MVP Mm. so there's never been a situation where players had this kind of like advanced numbers and has not been named MVP by the media Um,
2: so I think it'd be unprecedented if he didn't win honestly this is the first week of the season where I felt like it's a total lock. And he's been the leader for a long time and I you know, he's had my vote basically for as long as, you know, Embiid and LeBron, like once once they went down, it became pretty clear where this was headed. And a lot of it is attrition. I mean, if you look at the list of candidates, you know, the three at the top are Jokic, Embiid, Giannis, and then you have Curry who's also at twenty to one with Giannis. And then everybody else below that has basically, you know, either been a little bit disappointing, like Doncic with the Mavs, or it's guys who have missed time. So you know, I, I, I do feel like in some ways it's like Jokic is going to win it and people are already discrediting it. And it's like, well, he'll, he's only winning it because LeBron got hurt or because Embiid got hurt. I don't think that's fair at all. I, I think th- I think the numbers are going to hold up really well. Like it doesn't feel like he's just backing his way into this MVP because nobody else is going to go grab it. Like I, th- I think even if LeBron and, and Embiid would stay healthy, I, I still think based on the numbers, barring a crazy run from those guys, I'd, I think Jokic is the clear answer.
1: I think so, too. I mean, I was always someone who thought the LeBron argument, like I didn't. I thought those people were just like coping for not like I thought they were trying to save, you know, like save their own asses about not voting for him. However many years like I thought that was more about the voters themselves feeling guilty than LeBron actually earning an MVP. So I was always kind of like Jokic and Bede. And um, yeah, I mean, I think I'm still willing to go those two guys in that order. And they're they're. Yeah, trying to discredit this MVP for Jokic is kind of ridiculous cuz this is one of the best individual right. seasons we've ever seen. Like
2: the LeBron thing, is. the LeBron thing I would understand. Like I, you know, he'd probably deserve two or three more MVPs, but I, I you you can't just shoehorn him one when there's a, another deserving candidate, you know. Like let's like in this situation like let's say LeBron had stayed healthy and Jokic was the one who missed 15 games, maybe Jokic's numbers are still better, but LeBron has the games played argument. Like okay, fine, give it to him, but like when there's a very clear MVP caliber candidate who would be right there in any other year, not just this year, I that that's where I, I kind of stop with the with the LeBron argument. Like he's he's missed too much time, and and even if he played in every game, it would still be Jokic.
1: Yeah, it's not like people are gonna like you know look back in fifty years and be like, man, you know, like is that like. Everyone knows that LeBron probably deserves more MVPs than he got. We all know that. That's part of like the collective NBA consciousness. That's not going to yeah. like go away in 50 years and like people are not going to look back and be like, was LeBron that good though? He only won right. this
2: many MVPs. And he was only voted this many. Like it's yep.
1: it's okay that it didn't happen.
2: Yeah. I, I was thinking about that. And, and it's interesting that you compare Jokic with LeBron, you know, because like, he ever had a statistical season this good. Uh, I, I I think it was on the Rosillo pod or on the Simmons pod. Um, Bill Simmons said something like something I thought was super accurate. He's like, Damian Lillard can do everything Steph Curry can do, but he's just not Steph Curry. He's not as good as him. Like if you if you put out the blind resume and you look at the numbers, you're like, yeah, this guy is, he basically does the same thing. But he doesn't like when you watch Steph, it's like there's just another level. And I feel like that's kind of the the thing with LeBron, too, where like none of his seasons are like that you know, individually impressive, unless you watch him actually play the games, you know, he's only led the league in scoring once. He only led the league in assists once. And that was last season. You know, those are the only two categories in which he's ever led the league on a per game basis. You know, he's never had 10 rebounds a game. He's only had last season over 10 assists per game. Like the counting stats, aren't that crazy. You could find a lot of guys who've averaged 25, five and five, you know, whatever it might be, but there's just, there's just something different about the way LeBron does it. And I don't think that takes away from him or takes away from anybody else, but um, I I just, I thought that that comment by Simmons was like really, really accurate. And I I think it it just reminded me when you brought up the Jokic comment. Yeah. I mean, I think to some extent
0: we're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed.
1: An MVP is, can this player control the game? on yeah. Maybe on both ends of the court, but just in general, can they control the game? And are they making their teammates better also? Yeah. And I think Jokic does that in a very similar way to LeBron. I think yeah. LeBron is better defensively, but just in terms of he can do it himself. He can completely turn a game around. He makes his teammates better. Like it, when you watch him, it feels in that way. It feels similar to watching LeBron. Yeah. Uh, in no other way is it similar to watching yeah. LeBron James. But,
2: Not at all. Yeah. Uh, so I want to talk about All-NBA. We haven't hit on this in a while, actually, and I think it's a great time to do it. Um, as we're recording, we we just found out now that Kawhi Leonard is going to be reevaluated in a week due to a sore foot that's been bothering him of late. He's already missed a few games. Now he's out at least, I think, four or five more games, um, just adding to a, a ridiculous list of, of injuries that virtually every major player in the league at some point has been affected. This is going to make all NBA just crazy this year. Honestly, I, I went through and, and kind of did, I, I wrote down all the true candidates at each position. I, I did kind of my mock first, second, third, even did a fourth team. And, you know, I, I think the names are, are going to make sense, but there's going to be a lot of like, Oh, normally this guy would be on on the first team or normally this guy would be on the second team. And the one thing that does kind of standardize it is that so many guys have missed time, you know, where, LeBron missing 17, 18, 20 games, whatever it ends up being might not even really knock him down that far because Kawhi Leonard's already missed 15 games and he's going to miss five more. And, you know, Jason Tatum missed a bunch of time early in the year. Embiid missed a bunch of time. Um, Harden's missed a ton of time. So like normally these injuries that would maybe just disqualify a guy or or relegate him to the third team. So many other guys have been in the same situation that at the end of the day, it all kind of comes full circle and, you know, before I started this exercise, I expected to have, like, just random dudes who would never make first team in contention for first team. And, and honestly, that really wasn't the case.
1: Yeah, all NBA is, is, I mean, I, I think, like, uh, the first two teams I don't think are extremely difficult. But I think the third team is going to create some oh, yeah. havoc. Like, I think third team forward is, is really difficult. Because um, you have to start evaluating, like, I mean... We'll get to it later, but let's let.
2: Yeah, let's start at the top first. Yeah. So I Um, wrote out I wrote out my candidates for uh, center forward and guard. Actually, I don't want to read through all these. There's too many names. I'll just I'll start with my first team and you can critique it from there. So as of right now, this is who I would have on first team all NBA at the two guard spots, Curry and Damian Lillard. The two forward spots, Giannis and LeBron and the center spot, obviously Jokic. Yeah, I'm I'm good with
1: that. I think there is an argument to flip uh, Lillard for Doncic and put Lillard on yes, the second team sure. as a guard. Um, but I'm, I'm I mean I'm willing to hear either case. Like I think I, I think right now I put Doncic there. I think you know he's putting up. I mean they're putting up almost identical stats aside from rebounds. Uh, yeah. And I think you know Lillard throughout the year has had stretches where he's had like zero help. Right. Like that's the thing that stands about Lillard. It's like McCollum missed all that time. Nurkic was playing bad and then he missed time and now he's back and he's still playing bad. Um, but like there were a lot of stretches too where Doncic was at without Porzingis and their second best player was like Tim Hardaway Jr. Yeah. Um, so I think they both have cases from
2: that standpoint. Yeah, for sure. That was, that was the toughest part. I, I, I really couldn't decide at all. I did, I just went Lillard. I mean, I, I think that would be almost 50, 50 right now. Um, and Lillard, I think is going to miss, he's missed at least two games already might miss another if he misses three or four more maybe that's enough to flip it towards Doncic I initially had Kawhi as my other forward next to Giannis um but you know like like I said I I think LeBron assuming he comes back in in two weeks or so um and Kawhi you know is now going to miss a week on top of the the already substantial time that he's missed so heading into Wednesday he's already missed 13 games and if he misses if he misses just one week, that would be four more. So that's 17 missed games for Kawhi. I mean, that, that total could easily run up close to 20. They have a few back-to-backs remaining. Um, probably doesn't play in every game the rest of the way. You know, maybe let's say maybe LeBron misses 22 or 23. Kawhi misses 19 or 20. I, I think LeBron probably wins out. And yet again, despite missing time, um, finds, finds his way onto a first-team All-NBA.
1: Yeah, I think that's right. Cause if you wanna if you wanna look at anybody else who you would I guess consider for first team forward, it might be like Jimmy Butler, but yep. he's missed him and LeBron have played the exact amount of games, same yep. amount of games right now. So their games play difference isn't going to be that much. And I think LeBron has uh probably the better resume there. So I'm I'm good with him as um
2: first yeah. team forward. Is is there anyone else you'd consider at, at either guard or forward? I assume you're good with Jokic at center?
1: Yeah, I think Jokic has to be I mean, for me, Jokic has to be first team center because he's MVP. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I don't. I don't think so. Um, I mean, I guess I guess you have to think about Harden um, as yeah. first team, but other than that, no.
2: Yep, I, I vaguely kind of considered that early on, and then once once today's news came out, I, I think that's probably enough to to knock him out of first team contention. I actually I had him on second team, and I, I moved him to third. So my second team is. Donchich or Lillard, whichever of those two you prefer. Doncic, Chris Paul, Kawhi Leonard, Jimmy Butler, Joel Embiid. I feel pretty good about that. I do too. Um I had like nothing to
1: add to that when I looked at it. I was like, no, this seems other than like the Lillard Doncic thing. But you're right again. This Nick. seems like a, a very appropriate second team. Um I can't really I can't really argue with any of that.
2: Yeah, and this is where where I really started to think that we'd have some carnage, you know, of like guys, you know, Harden missing too much time. I put him on third team. But then, you know, you're like, Doncic and Chris Paul, that that actually kind of makes a lot of sense on second team. Like, I'm kind of glad that I have an excuse to put Chris Paul on the second team and because I, I think in terms of pure effectiveness, if they played the same number of games, it would obviously be Harden. Uh, I mean, Butler, it was such a weird start to the year for Miami and a weird start for him. He missed a bunch of time early on, got off to a, a really slow start. You know, we were wondering if if Miami was even going to make the playoffs for a while, but he has been ridiculously good for the last like month and a half. And I mean, defensively um, has just been a, a, a complete monster on that end of the court. He's missed the last two games, still battling an ankle injury. Um, you know, we'll, we'll see if that causes him to miss any more time. But for now, I, I think, I think he's pretty solidly on the second team. The thing is like, if Kawhi ends up missing, you know, two or three weeks instead of one week, then we start to get into a, a little bit of a debate of, of maybe that other forward spot opening up.
1: Yeah. Um, that, that would be tough if, if Kawhi misses more time. Cause then again, you start bleeding into like this, this next tier of forwards that I think is just kind of a mess, um, yes. between, I, I guess well, let's just jump to third team and we can talk about those guys
2: too. Sure. So my third team real quick, I have Harden, I have Russell Westbrook as the other guard sue me. I have Zion Williamson and Julius Randle as my forwards and I have Rudy Gobert as my center. I,
1: as much as I like, listen, I would love to have Russ on my third team if that if they were playing well, but, uh, they are, they are not playing well enough for me to have him. I'm just out on that. Like he, he has to be on a winning team for me to like, really, I just think there are other guys like I, you have to consider, I think Donovan Mitchell and Devin Booker and like, you, you know, they're not averaging the raw numbers that Westbrook is obviously, but there is a point where I think you have to consider their the team record. And, you know, like, if you put Devin Booker on that Washington team, would he also be averaging, like, you know, 25 and, like, 8? Like, team context matters to some extent. I understand why you have Russ on there, because he is – I think he's leading the league in assists. So. Oh, yes. He's at a
2: career-high yeah. 10.9 assists per game.
1: Five turnovers, too. Um, oh. I I think <laughs> – okay so let's I, I want to jump there forward because okay you have you have Zion and Julius Randle, and at first I was like where's Jason Tatum yeah. uh, and then I kind of thought about you know like is is Tatum really having a better season than either of those guys um and then you have to then you that guy, that sent me down a rabbit hole of well like isn't Chris Middleton having just as good of a season as Jason Tatum which set me down and then you know, like it just keeps sending me down these yeah. rabbit holes where I'm like, well, what about Jalen Brown?
2: His stats are pretty nice too, and Levine's averaging almost 30 points a game. Right. Well, so let me clarify and say that these are the te- these are like my projections. These aren't who I would pick. This is who I think will make first, second, and third team. And I look back. Russ made it last year. He averaged like 27, seven and seven last season. He's at like 21, eleven and eleven this year. The efficiency's down for sure. The turnovers are up. The team is worse than the Rockets were last year. I get all that, but. I, I think people like when, when somebody averages a triple-double. I think some people just look at the numbers and are like, this is crazy. I can't not vote for this guy. Um, and so I, I, Russ gets the legacy vote. I don't know. Guys who have made all-NBA teams tend to make them more and more as, as, as long as they're still putting up numbers. Totally fine. I mean, if it were me, I think I would put Donovan Mitchell as the second guard. I think you have to reward uh, the team success there. Basically the exact same case for Devin Booker, although it felt like Booker just... He really wasn't all that good for the first month and a half, whereas like Mitchell, it's just been a a wire to wire, really nice season. Um, But again, he's hurt now. He could miss multiple weeks. Maybe that that ends up being the tiebreaker there. Zion, I included because people want to vote for Zion. People love Zion. The numbers have been really impressive. Um, The efficiency has been great. You know, the passing has been a lot better. He started to do some things defensively over the last month or two. It just feels like there's a lot of positive momentum towards Zion. And I I think there's kind of been like a lot of negative momentum towards like Brown and Tatum I mean, Middleton didn't even make the all star game this year. I don't I don't think people are now going to vote for him for all NBA after not voting him to the all star game. He was didn't even make it as the replacement uh, for the all star game. So, you know, those guys are all arguably more deserving than players like Westbrook and Zion. But I think if, if I'm trying to put myself in the headspace of an all NBA voter, it feels like that's the direction that they would go. Could be could be completely wrong about this. I
1: mean, Zion's been ridiculous, man. Like I, he's, he's like 30 points a game on 60% shooting, like almost every night at this point. And you know, like four or five assists. Um, like I know he has defensive deficiencies still and the Pelicans are like not a good team, but he is just, he's crazy, man. I it's, it's, it, the jump that he made from the, like the start of this season to now is yeah. crazy. Um, like the in season improvements is is mm-hmm. ridiculous, but um yeah, I mean i I understand why about him and Julius Randle third team. I just don't know, I mean, takegu and Brown part of the problem with them is the team has been disappointing, right, yeah, um, they've been a little better they're thirty one and twenty seven now they're not quite as uh bad as they were before, but to some extent it would it, it almost feel weird having them both on third team um I don't know this, this is this is a you know we talked about like MVP pretty much being a lock and rookie of the year could end up almost being a lock at this point but I think this you know I think third team all NBA is as much of a top is like a complete toss-up still I think the last right. you know the last stretch of the season here the last month essentially is going to really matter for this third team
2: why is the national media not talking about all NBA third team more <laughs> <laughs> that's a great question so where, where, what's your final answer? Where do you come in on Randall versus Tatum versus Middleton? And I think Paul George, we haven't even mentioned at all, who's quietly had a very good season and, you know, I it know. just kind of feels like he's always in and out. And it, it feels like he's missed more time. I think than he actually has. I, I love all those guys. I, I still think like Paul George is probably the best player of that group. I, I mean, Randall's argument is almost similar to Zion's where it's like, there's just been this upswell of positivity for, for him and and the Knicks organization. And, they have the same record as the Celtics. For the Celtics, it seems like a disappointing 31-27. and 27. For the Knicks, it's like a miracle 31-27. and 27. And, I mean, the numbers are unassailable at this point. It's it's not like Tatum's numbers are, are better, but the team's been disappointing. It's like Randall's numbers are absolutely ridiculous at this point. And I know he's playing a ton of minutes, and they're basically just funneling everything through him. But, I mean, he is the sole reason that this team is four games over 500. Yeah, he is. I mean, I think, you know, I think people might be... It's tough
1: because on one hand I think people might be more okay with not voting in third team because at this point I'm pretty sure he's going to get most improved player. Um, So I don't know if like people may just want to be like, well, Jason Tatum is still better than him, but and they could just go Tatum. I mean, I think if you go Tatum, Paul George as your third team, that's not bad. I honestly don't know where I stand. I wish I could give you like a real answer. Um, I think I think like the safe bet in terms of like if you're a voter. And you want to make sure your vote like you want to be like 100 percent certain that your vote doesn't look ridiculous in hindsight. I think you just go Tatum, Paul George uh, and you just like wait for Zion and Randall to like prove it more. Um, But yeah, I think I think that's where I stand.
2: Yeah, that's a good way to look at it. I think that that's probably the safest way to avoid ridicule, especially if the Knicks get swept out around one by like the Hawks or something. Um, But this is why I put together a fourth team, which is Devin Booker. Kyrie Irving, Jason Tatum, Paul George, Nikola Vucevic.
1: So I think I'd have Adebayo over Vucevic. Um, like, I think I, I think it was fine to have Vucevic over Adebayo in the All-Star game. But now that I'm like, that, that I looked at Adebayo's stats compared to Vucevic's, I I just, I want to give the nod to Adebayo, man. Like, his defense is so much better than Vucevic. The, the scoring isn't as... You know, it's not like as diverse as Vujabic, who can score from like anywhere on the floor. And it's about, I think, five fewer points per game. But that feels kind of negligible when Agobayo is like he he's, I think, five and a half assists a game. He can get the ball and like run up the court and like be a one man fast break almost at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd be willing to vote him. And I actually think you could maybe have an argument for Agobayo over Gobert. But I, I think there's like a zero percent chance that he yeah. gets in over Gobert.
2: I retire if that happened.
1: <laughs> I think he would. Um, I'm glad you included Kyrie because he is quietly having like a ridiculous season. Um, yeah and he, and he was even before like he could have been an all-star, but he's you know 27 points a game on 51 percent shooting. his turnovers are like down. Um, yeah, he's been awesome.
2: Yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised with Kyrie if he if he were to sneak on to the third team. He he's probably somebody we should have mentioned in that Russ discussion um, yeah, you know, with yeah. Mitchell. I think Kyrie Mitchell Booker versus Westbrook is actually really really close, and I would not fault you for voting for any of those guys. I mean, the thing with Kyrie is he stacked so many of his absences early on. You know, he missed like eight games in a row in January, and since then he's he hasn't missed more than three games in a row. Like he's in the same boat as Paul George, where it feels like he's out of the lineup all the time, but. It's just kind of like, oh, he'll play six games in a row, then he'll miss one, then he'll play four, then he'll miss one. Um, I mean, in terms of total games missed, I'm, I'm trying to see where he comes in. I mean, he's kind of right in that same zone as as a lot of these guys who we've been talking about. You know, he's I, I would guess that he's played like 40-some games. He's played 41. Paul George has played 44. Brad Beal has played 48. Embiid's played 39. Um, I mean, he's, he's still played fewer games at Harden, which is kind of crazy. He's at 42. Um, but, I mean, Kyrie's played the same number of games for context as Jimmy Butler and LeBron James. So it, I think if we're comfortable putting those guys on first or second team, assuming Kyrie stays healthy, he's completely viable for for second team. And, I mean, the way he's played, you could consider him for, or I should say third team, the way he's played, you could consider him for second team. But I, I think to me it's pretty hard to see him, uh, you know, beating out Luka Doncic and, and even Chris Paul just because how good the Suns have been and, and the fact that he really hasn't missed any time.
1: Yeah, the, the the this Chris Paul leading the Suns is is kind of like he's I think he's pretty much locked into that um second or third team and yeah, I mean I think I think I would go Kyrie over Russ uh personally.
2: Um but yeah, it's tough. Who would have thought 2 years ago that Chris Paul, you know, the day he's traded to Oklahoma City makes a third team all NBA last year and then is probably on course to make a second team all NBA you know, two years removed from that trade as he's, you know, nearing age 36.
1: It's crazy, man. Like, I think, you know, there are guys who's, I mean, he is kind of the like antithesis of Russell Westbrook, right? Yeah. Kind of the, that's the irony of it just from like a different styles of point guard and his style is just so much more sustainable. So to some extent, like we should have seen this coming, but to another extent, this is kind of unheard of. Um, You know, he's just, he, he, again, he's, 100% 100% pure basketball IQ, he can control a game, he's always an extreme assist-to-turnover ratio guy, he can get to his spot, he gets to that elbow and just pulls up for, like, <laughs> it feels like he gets all of his 15 points from, like, that elbow jumper. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, he's ridiculous, man. He's, he's unbelievable.
2: To me, the craziest part is the way that he's making these All-NBA teams is by just outlasting everybody else. Like he's making it because other guys are getting hurt. It's not like he's playing really well and then missing 20 games. It's he's just playing like steadily really good and not missing any time, which absolutely crazy considering how many games he missed from 2011
1: to 2018. Yeah, I mean he was someone who we like you couldn't draft in fantasy before like the 3rd round because he you just figured he was going to miss 10 to 20 games every year. Yeah. And like the, the his his three final his last You know, his last Clippers season, he was 61 games and the two Houston seasons, he was 58 games both seasons. And now (laughs) the irony is he's yeah, he's he's the healthy one and he's getting he's getting
2: the Mm -hmm. All-NBA votes. He's not even being rested. That's the crazy part. He's missed one game this season. He missed one game on the second half of a back to back against the Cavaliers in February. He's played in every other back to back in a condensed season. Just preposterous. I thought there was a chance
1: I'd play him like 27 minutes a game, right? And he's, yeah. he's not. He's 32 minutes a game. He's playing technically more minutes per game than he did last year. It's just, I don't know how he's doing it. He's, he went vegan or something, right? Is, something we, like that. Is so that so, the answer?
2: Plant-based? Is that the same as vegan? I don't really know. He's playing know. more minutes than he did in 2016-17 in his final year with the Clippers. <laughs> That's,
1: it's crazy. Really
2: it crazy. All right. Let's end on this. What is your updated if if it needs an update your updated finals pick this will be I guess a little bit of a, a preview of the round table because this is another question in there
1: um I'm not gonna I'm not letting the harder news sway me but it's I mean it's interesting at least I'm still sticking with what I've been sticking with the whole time which is Nets Lakers and Nets winning I think okay. in six um, okay. is what I had picked right, how are what are you doing
2: I, I think that's about what I would have as well I will say things things are breaking pretty nicely for the Lakers right it's like just as like, Anthony Davis could come back as soon as Thursday, if he's not back Thursday, he's probably back this weekend at some point. LeBron's about two weeks away. Meanwhile, Donovan Mitchell is out indefinitely with a pretty bad-looking ankle sprain. Damian Lillard is, is also battling a, a lower body injury. The Mavericks are, are losing games left and right. The Grizzlies, you know, just lost last night as well. Um, you know, the Nets are going to go into the playoffs having played seven games together. You know, the Bucks can't figure things out. Like, for as bad as it looked when like for the Lakers when LeBron and Anthony Davis went down with fairly serious injuries like all of a sudden I mean I, I think they're they're going to be kind of right back in the mix and you know it, I, Jamal Murray going down I think is another huge one like like even even if LeBron only comes back with like five games left and, and maybe needs the first round of the playoffs to reacclimate himself like you know the Jazz don't look as scary as they did a month ago and the Nuggets without Murray are, are a hell of a lot of an easier opponent. I mean, Kawhi's hurt now, like all these kind of things that were working against the Lakers kind of seem to be turning the other way.
1: Yeah, I think, I think they just kind of like, I I think these, these two teams just are inevitably kind of going to be the defaults the rest of the way. I'm not sure what anybody, like, I feel like we've seen what we've needed to see right from every team. Like, I don't know what's going to change my mind from here on out. There could be something, but it seems what the amount that players are being rested, guys are getting hurt. I just wish we could just like take two weeks off and then just start the playoffs.
2: That would actually be awesome. (laughs) Now that you say that, that would be fantastic. Uh, How, how many teams in the West? And I know we said we would end on, on the title thing, but we'll we'll actually end on this. Let's say Anthony Davis like tweaks his calf and has to miss a series. How many teams right now would the Lakers lose to with a fully healthy LeBron and, and the rest of the roster fully healthy, but no Davis.
1: Um, I mean, I think there's a chance they could lose to any of the top four. Utah, Phoenix, Clippers, Denver. I, th- I I do think there is a chance they could lose to Denver, even when they don't have Jamal Murray. And I think uh, that might be where I stop it. Like, I wish I had more faith in the Trailblazers, but they just keep, like, letting right. me down. Um, yeah.
2: And I almost feel, I mean, Denver is kind of the one that I was wondering about. Like, I I think Utah and Phoenix at full strength, you know, they're probably a little too much. Although, I mean, if, if you're getting peak LeBron and we've seen him, you know, be able to hang in with with teams that are a hell of a lot better than those two. Um, so I, I certainly wouldn't write off the Lakers. The Clippers with a healthy PG and Kawhi, that'd be really tough with no Davis. But I mean, if if you look at the Lakers versus the Nuggets, the Lakers are the better team on paper when everybody's healthy. You remove their second best player and you remove the Nuggets second best player. Like to me, that, that, that I would still, I think I would still pick the Lakers as good as Jokic has been. You know, I I almost feel like Murray's like more important to Denver's playoff ceiling than Davis is to the Lakers. He might be. That's tough. I like mean, you I would need, need Davis to win the title. Do you need Davis to get to the West Finals? That I'm not sure.
1: I don't know, man. He there were po- there were a lot of points in the playoffs last year where he looked like he was better than Giannis, and I think that, that can't be. I don't think that can be like understated. Yeah. Um, even though he was having like a bad year this year um some of that could have just been like fatigue and stuff like that but I wish there was like a a universe where we could see that series play out you know LeBron versus Jokic with like the the bad supporting casts and just see how what they were able to do but you know that's something I actually like I I want Anthony Davis to be healthy
2: well me too I mean we'll we'll get to see the Jokic side of that maybe there's a pretty good chance that, that those teams maybe end up matching up but all right, man, one well, on that. This All-NBA stuff is going to be fun. I'm very much looking forward to, to how this turns out over the next few weeks. And the injury news just keeps coming. It's absolutely insane how many stars have, have missed weeks or, or two weeks at a time.
3: Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in.